This week's podcast is sponsored by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code WFOD at manscaped.com. We're shooting down balloons. There is nothing else to see. Drink the vinyl chloride while birds are falling out the trees. Dubfon goes hard. See you later, popcorn bitch. Those seven days have almost passed. The wheelbarrow full of dicks. Dicks. Come here. And revel in the carnival-like proceedings. Hey, it's Drunkard STL on Twitter. Hold on to your this fucking hats, everybody. W-F-O-D. Kids, I never heard of that. the dub fod my name is mike i am joined by my good friend mr drunkard stl on the twitters my guys and guys the king of pranks the albino alligator uh popcorn bitch mr travis Hulse is here everyone hey travis we have a lot to discuss so much going on travis i think we have to address the manscaped situation from last week well, if you want, yeah, I mean, he air our dirty laundry. So, Travis, we, we have no secrets here. You know this. <laughs> we we were uh, we were given a, a pretty nice deal from the good folks at Manscaped to advertise for them for the next month, and a component of said deal was that they were going to mail us all big boxes of shit to try out. So that, you know, we could talk to the people intelligently about the the fine range of Manscaped products. That's right. Not just read ad copy, but speak from personal experience. Go out into our respective bathrooms and shave our boys. So I got the email. I sent it to you and Drunk. And Drunk didn't see it. And so you said, well, yeah, that sounds great. And so I was like, okay, one out of two ain't bad. Made the deal. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what they asked for was our sizes and our addresses because they wanted to mail us some some swag. Travis, you got your Manscaped t-shirt on. Very comfortable t-shirt. It's very comfortable. I don't know if I'm going to wear a t-shirt that says stuff about my balls. Oh, I'm definitely wearing mine. You're going to wear it? Hell yeah. Yeah, but, you know, 
This might be this might be an around the house form. Yeah, an around the house shirt. It's comfortable, Travis. I'll, I'll wear that comfy. to the bar for sure. Yeah, oh yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Wear it, wear it to go hang out with the boys. Yeah. Well, that's good. Then you can give uh, your people our uh, promo code. Yeah, absolutely. WFOD. Be sure. Yeah, if you go somewhere real public to wear it, uh, maybe we should spray paint the code on there. Uh, anyway, so Travis. <laughs> Where a sticker says, ask me about 20% off. Still, <laughs> still waiting for anything from drunk. Hear nothing. So I finally text him because I'm like, well, he's not going to fucking respond to the, the group message. He totally checked out, Travis. You know what? This motherfucker has not retweeted the show once, Travis. <laughs> In the history of the show? Been doing this show over a decade Hasn't retweeted it once. I feel that's untrue. I have a couple times. Okay. On some really good episodes. So, <laughs> I text drunk, and I said, I need your size and your address. And you figure, me and drunk, we don't talk about other things, so it has to be something about the show. Oh, okay. Mike made a deal with somebody, and they're sending me something in the mail. I'll give him my address and my size. Right. He responded with his size. <laughs> so I reply again. Need your address. A day goes by, Travis. A fucking 24-hour day goes by. And he responds with his address. So finally, I can send the email back to the guys with the sizes and address so that we can get our, our five-pound boxes of dick razors. That's right. They ship, and they are constantly updating me. I, what I can say about them is their, uh, their alert system as far as tracking information is extensive because there every will, time... There, there, yeah, there'll be no questions on if your <laughs> item is in transit or if it has arrived at your home. Every time one of our boxes moved, Travis, I got three emails about it. The day comes where I get the email in the morning that says, hey, they're out for delivery. And I was like, Oh, great. So I, I message the boys and I say, hey, guys, your dick razors are coming in the mail today from Manscaped.com, which, by the way, 20% off at Manscaped.com using promo code WFOD. I, I get the notifications that it was delivered at my house. I get the notification that it was delivered at Travis's house. I do not get the third notification, Travis. And so, like, the rest of the evening goes by and I'm like, hmm. This is strange. At this point, Travis, I don't really know why I'm so invested on whether or not drunk gets his stuff. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm at home charging my stuff, Travis, uh, having a good old time. But I look, and the UPS notification says, hey, your address is messed up, and we can't deliver it with the address that we have. We don't know what to do. So let us know where you want this box, because... I don't. So I screenshot that and text it to drunk and say, your address is messed up. Knew, then, knew immediately what was fucked up. And then Travis, <laughs> you know what I, I got back in my text? Apartment you get? 14. <laughs> <laughs> so what am I going to do with that drunk? What am I going to do with apartment 14 a week later? I forgot to add the apartment number. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't know how uh, addr addresses work. Travis. Did you think that I wanted your address? Because like I, I just wanted to look at what your apartment no, looked no, like. No, 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 no. 
I knew something was getting delivered. Same thing with like DoorDash. I always forget to put the apartment number on there because it's the first time I live in an apartment. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm invested in it, Travis. I got to make sure that drunk gets his stuff. This is important to me. I don't know why, yeah, keep, but it is. Keep in mind, this is the same fellow that we had been talking about Manscaped coming on as partners of the show for a week and a half. He found and, out about it when he came to do the show last week. Yeah, and said, "Ooh, Manscaped." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's uh, Ben in talks there, buddy. <laughs> Which, by the way, he let slip that Drunk is a loyal uh, owner of several Manscaped products. So he was really jazzed about Al- this. Already had the three So he upgraded, Travis. That was a nice package. That's, yeah, the uh, these are good people to have on your side. All that stuff's good stuff, man. It's, good it's stuff. all very good. All yeah. of it, yeah. Now I got a light. So apparently they figured it out, Travis, because the next day. And I'll tell you what, customer service for uh, Manscaped, man, it was it was back. It was next day there. But... Well, I mean, I guess that was probably UPS, but sure. I, I emailed Manscaped customer service, and they like sent me a thing that said, hey, we're going to let the CEO know some shit's going down. Uh, we'll get back to you. And then by the time they got back to me, UPS had figured it out, Travis. But mm. uh, I, I did I did reach out to customer service on Drunk's behalf because uh, I wanted to make sure that he got the performance and, package. And that's why you are the leader of the show, man. Fucking, <laughs> you're a fucking pro. You fucking dill rod. <laughs> <laughs> I sent you a clip uh, that I saw on Twitter yesterday uh, that pretty much deep fake ads are here um yeah it's terrifying right travis we i think we already talked about this yeah it's 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 alarming yeah we talked about this when we talked about uh the heaton uh podcast that he did the bonus episode that he did that was entirely created entirely using ai it's happening really fast (laughs) yeah it's moving flash commercial yesterday was a deep fake Oh, yeah, because of the Batman thing? Yeah. Drunk, I'm going to play you. Now, this, I don't know if this will do it justice because it's just the audio, but the video's almost as good. And it's on Twitter? Yeah, this is Joe Rogan advertising a product. It's fake, Drunk. This isn't real. This is just somebody using AI Joe Rogan and some guest, and it looks just like Joe Rogan's podcast. It looks like he's talking about this. There's a category of supplements that are very interesting, work very well to increase testosterone by about 100 to 200 points. Well, look, that Alpha Grind product is all over TikTok. If you go to Amazon and you type in libido booster for men, you're going to find it right at the top. And that's because guys are figuring out that it literally is increasing size and making a difference down there. It stimulates the testes if you got those to make more testosterone or estrogen. It's fake drug. That really good. Sounds dead like him. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got like his like yeah. Every everything about it is deeply disturbing. And like Mike said, the video is a hundred percent. I mean, it looks like they pulled a clip from the show. It's really gross. So the mouths don't move perfect, but nobody's paying that close attention. Right. Right. I mean, like I'm yeah. paying that close attention because I know what it is. You're not registering that something is off. And the product is named something like Alpha Dick Pills or something. So, like, Joe Rogan's selling dick pills, Travis. Yeah, without actually selling the dick pills. I play a couple of dumb games on my phone where people buy cameos to sell Royal Match. 
D-list celebrities that you could probably get for 15 bucks, but I see them every single day just talking about how much you should download Royal Match, Travis. And that's cameos. Those are real. But now they don't even have to pay people the 15 bucks yeah. anymore. Yeah, you don't even have to spend the 15 bucks on that guy who was in Silk Stalkings back in 1993 or whatever it was. You just have a robot Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. It's fucking amazing. Joe existed. <laughs> Guys, coming up after the break, we're going to be talking to Stephen Tobolowski. Uh, he he's been in everything. To name name a few, Travis, he was uh, he was in Spaceballs. He, he was the he, you idiots, you captured their stunt doubles. He was that guy. Uh, he was in Groundhog Day. He was Ned Ryerson in that. Bing, Bing. He was on Silicon Valley. He was. I think he was the CEO of both companies at one point. Yeah, I, bl- I believe you're right. Uh, and then everything. Uh, one of my favorite Stephen Tobolowski performances is Glimmer Man. I think I need to ask him about that. Because uh, Glimmer Man fucking rules, Travis. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a billion years. I don't even remember what it was about. Uh, <clears throat> Steven Seagal. And, was it Damon Wayans? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I'm not familiar. We got to talk about Chinese balloons getting shot down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the alien stuff, Travis, right? They we're shooting down a bunch of aliens? Yeah, we're shooting down uh, UFOs over Lake Huron. You know, I haven't... That's like Huron in the woods, damn near, huh? It certainly is. They uh, deployed out of Madison with those fighter jets. Really? <laughs> yep. Are they just blasting them out of the sky, Travis? Yeah, they're blasting out of the sky. They actually were just... 20,000 feet. Yeah, I was reading uh, today that they are now trying to recover the wreckage to see what the hell it was that they shot down. (laughs) Why do they keep saying recover the wreckage and then we never hear anything about it? Like, did they find the Chinese balloon? That's some Roswell shit, dude. It, It was as big as three buses. Just go down about where you dropped it. And it's right there. Well, Tell us yeah. what it was. Apparently, Pick the it one up. in Alaska was the one the size of a small car. Okay. So Pick I, it up. Tell I, us what it was. I, I, I'm going to go with that one was probably a drone. So do you think they're embarrassed? Like, they shot it down, and then they picked it up, and it's like, oh, this wasn't nothing. We uh, I don't know. There's about. been, like, four this year so far, yeah, I believe, besides the Chinese. This year, it's been four in the last four days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're shooting shit down <laughs> all across the, uh, the United States airspace. Yeah. Um. So. And like you said, it is like, oh, we're going to recover the record, see what it is. And then they don't tell you what the hell they found. And then they shoot more shit down. Yeah, I, don't so. th- I, I think it's they don't want to cause mass hysteria. Well, then why'd they tell us in the first place? Oh, hey, because there was a bunch of reports uh, from <laughs> citizens that said, hey, there's flying objects around here. And then, you know, they see the fighter jet shooting the shit down. So it's kind of hard to hide. Travis, do you, do you remember in Batman 89 when... Uh, Joker had the big balloons and then fucking Hell yeah. Batman popped the balloon and then it was full of laughing gas. Mm-hmm, I do. So then he was like, oh, dude, look what Batman did. He fucking popped the balloon and got all the shit out. Well, Joker started releasing it before Batman came down and then Batman came down and used his uh, scissors on the bat plane to uh, the bat slip wing. the strings. And send it up in space. Wing. That's what we should have done up, with yeah. that Chinese balloon, right? We we shoot it with a fucking fighter jet. What if it's full of laughing gas? Well, I thought they did say that there was some sort of payload on it, whatever that means. So you remember the old-timey Batman where they had the bat boat? Yeah, why the one they, where he's why, trying to get rid of the bomb. Yeah, why they never revisit that in the movies? I seem to remember Val Kilmer had a bat boat. Did he? Did Val Kilmer have a bat boat, Travis? Didn't he? 
Was Didn't it, he have a bat boat? Wasn't it more of like a jet ski, maybe? I swear one of those guys had a bat boat. Maybe. Keaton Keaton didn't. Keaton didn't have a bat boat. But no, that fucking uh, <laughs> submarine penguin was fucking awesome, too. I did like the submarine <laughs> penguin. So what's going on in this Flash? Uh, so Affleck's in it. And yeah, Keaton's Affleck's in it. it and Keaton's in it. Do they hang out? I wouldn't think so because I believe that Affleck is going to be in Barry Allen's like proper earth. And uh, when he enters the speed force, he get kicked, he gets kicked out into Batman 89's earth where Barry's mom is still alive. I believe that's why he goes uh, through the, through the speed force and ends up, you know, shattering the multiverse and Travis explain the speed force to me. So does he run backwards and make the, the world spin the other way? No, that's no, Yeah, that's super. He just moves so fast, like that. That's where uh, his powers come from. Is the speed force? It's the same place that all of the flashes and any of the uh, uh, villain speedsters get their powers is from this speed force thing. Uh, and if he runs fast enough, he can tap into the speed force, and that is actually a way for him to go back in time, uh, straight, straight the line, straight the line of like the multiverse. He's able to get into. That's like where uh, that's what this is based on. It's based on a storyline called Flashpoint, where he's so distraught that he lost his mom, however long ago that he runs so fast, he goes back in time, prevents his mother's murder and in turn changes butterfly effects the entire world and, and screws everything up. So real question is this movie going to make any money? It looks fucking awesome. It looks pretty like dope. That- that yeah, Supergirl, make a lot of money. That Supergirl or Superwoman that's in well, that. We thought of that about Justice League too. Justice League made, but he's not going money. back in time because Batman. He's not going back in time. He's going to a different universe. Universe, right? Does he open a wormhole, Travis? Uh, I mean, if you if that works to for you to understand it, I guess. <laughs> Did you not just listen to the last five minutes of Travis talking? I don't, like tap, I don't tap think in, I get it. Tapping into the speed force allows him to tap into like time stream and also different uh, different realities. So did they make up this time travel thing to make the Flash cool? Uh, first, he's first been of able all, to, the Flash is cool. He's been able to do it for a while. Like this was explored in probably the, I don't know how long, ago it worked but like i know when i was reading flash in the 90s he was able to do stuff like this but the flashpoint uh story that this is based on comes from i want to say right around 2010 maybe can superman time travel no they he did in the like 78 movie but uh i don't think that's really something that they uh do in the in the books yeah. i mean back in the like Back in the uh, you know early goofy days of DC Comics, I'm sure he was traveling in time all the time. <laughs> I mean, I'll watch it. I watch all that shit. I don't even know if I'm like a like a fan boy anymore, but I'll still watch them. No, I don't care. Like anytime I was talking about this the other day, it was like any any more Marvel news or rumors or announcements. Like I just can't be bothered with caring i will watch them all eventually uh this i will have to say though that this i was a little leery about the flash but after seeing that trailer i'm actually pretty psyched for this flick there's there's gotta be marvel fatigue here eventually right i think there already is marvel fatigue but like their fatigue is still 
printing money. Yeah, it's still super <laughs> profitable. I mean, I I bet you this Ant Man movie is going to make a kajillion dollars. And it looks terrible. It doesn't look good. It's because that gal cut her hair, Travis. I don't like her. Ugh. What does she do? No, I don't know. That's no good for me. It's no bueno is what it is, Travis. No mm-hmm. bueno. Yeah, it reminds me of that uh, Always Sunny episode where uh, the gang gets pissed that all those ladies are cutting their hair super short and <laughs> actually tries to sabotage the salon. <laughs> What we're going to do, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Stephen Tabalowski. Really looking forward to it. Travis, he's got a podcast. It's called uh, The Tabala- uh, the Tabalowski Files and uh, mm-hmm. tells stories about his career. It's interesting. I I think that, well, I'll talk, I'll talk to him about it, Travis. Looking forward to it. Stick around. W-F-O-D. Phil? Hey, Phil? Phil? Phil Connors? Phil Connors, I thought that was you. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for watching. Hey, hey. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me, because I sure as heck fire remember you. Not a chance. <laughs> Ned! Ryerson! Needle nose Ned, Ned the head. Come on, buddy. Case Western High. Ned Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Ned Ryerson got the shingles real bad senior year, almost didn't graduate. Bing! Again! Ned Ryerson, I dated your sister Mary Pat a couple times till you told me not to anymore. Well? Ned Ryerson? Bing! Bing! (laughs) So did you turn pro with that belly button thing, Ned, or No, Phil, I sell insurance. What a shock. Do you have life insurance? Because if you do, you could always use a little more. Am I right or am I right or am I right? Right, right, right. I went through the drive-thru, asked for extra sauce. They didn't charge me. Everything's fine. And now, Drunk's Amazing Animal Fact, with your host, Drunk. If you get a scorpion drunk, it will commit suicide. Support for WFOD is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. (laughs) 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WFOD at manscaped.com. Inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. Yeah, that's the one you trim your, your testicles with, drunk. You know what I like is that weed whacker getting my nose and my ears. You know, I, I've had those before. Yeah. And and I didn't like them. Those didn't work compared to the ones you have now, though, right? Yeah, it's a precision tool, drunk. It's not that you. not that cheapy one you buy at the right. Gas it feels like it's just pulling the nose hairs right out. That your... one you get up uh, uh, at Christmas time at right. Target. You know, you got the tear rolling out your di- darn eye. No, no, but this is one gets a goddamn job done. Absolutely. Got a promo code WFOD at checkout at manscaped.com. Yeah, that's us. Drunk. We're being sponsored. 
Yes. And this package includes two free gifts, the boxer shorts and a shed travel bag. Nice bag to keep all your, your goodies in. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com, get 20% off and free shipping with code WFOD. Once again, WFOD, wheelbarrow full of dicks. Welcome back. Our guest tonight is a legendary character actor and podcaster. His show, The Tobolowski Files, is available now at tobolowskifiles.com or Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get podcasts. Guys, Stephen Tobolowski is on the program. Howdy. Stephen, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Done babysitting? Perfect. Baby's gone. Baby's <laughs> gone. It's tough. Tough deal. It's nice when they're there. It's even nicer when they leave, right? Well, it, it's uh, my son is a chemistry professor and his wife is a pediatrician. And oh. they both have office hours and they have to work. And now they have two babies, one three weeks old, and this one was two and a half. Oh, so we take care of the two and a half year old and she takes care of us, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Those, uh, my kids uh, right now are uh, 11 and 13 going on 14, so it's been a while, but I, I do remember those ages, and boy, oh, boy. <laughs> it's yeah, exhausting. Awesome. Our little granddaughter in one week, in one week, learned how to say no, open the back door, and run. <laughs> I mean, the only thing she didn't do is, like, Take the car keys. I mean, <laughs> she could do everything. Just in one week, everything changed. The, so, car, the car keys come next week, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I just have dogs. It's fine. Um, Except dogs are dogs are uh, very, they need your attention all the time. That's they true. really need your attention. You know, it, just like babies, whereas cats, I have cats. You know they could care they could care less if i were to drop dead doing this podcast the cats would come over and start feasting on me yeah. they, <laughs> they, they think oh well, we got a little extra dinner here we let's, had a cat do- for like two weeks and we couldn't do it. it the cat was evil though in our defense it was well, it was an evil evil cat what what did the cat do that you would classify as evil well it got under the bed 
and ripped open the box springs, oh, got yeah. into the box oh, springs, and then punched up at our face in the middle <laughs> yeah. of the night. Yeah. And that it sounds like a cat. It, we couldn't ever sleep, Stephen. We, it no. turned on the uh, the alarm clock. Like it knew how to make the alarm go off on the alarm clock. Yeah. And you'd okay, you'd think if it did it on accident. It would it would startle itself and run away, but it didn't. It stood there and stared at us like a little psychopath. Yeah, well, if it switches to AM radio, you know you got to get rid of the cat. <laughs> yeah. We did, we did. We gave it to some lady on Craigslist. We were just like, does anyone want a free cat? I actually gave it to one of my friends who had two cats, mm. and he brought it back. He brought it back after a day. He called me, and I said, I'm still at work for another couple hours. And he said, well, I'll just drive around with it until you get off. <laughs> because my That's wife a says, desperate man. Yeah, my wife I says do. I can't have it in the house anymore. Stephen, you've been doing the, this podcast for a long time, haven't you? I think so. I'm, I mean, I haven't done it. I, I, I did the last podcast story I did was into the uh, pandemic. And I haven't done anything for the last year or so because of the baby. But yeah. we have... 99 episodes that have now they're on Apple tunes, Apple music or whatever. And they've played on NPR and PRI radio stations all over the country. So they've been out there. They've yeah. been out there. And I think I started it in 2008. Jeez. 2008 while. is when I started it, but it wasn't, should I discuss the origin of the podcast? Is yeah, that of absolutely. interest to you? Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it was born like a lot of really good things in your life from catastrophe is that in 2008, I broke my neck riding on a horse on the side of an active volcano in Iceland. As now, you do. <laughs> that's quite the statement there, Stephen. Now, you have some people who say the universe is cause and effect, and the other people say it is a random chance. Either way you go. It was probably the worst thing I could have done that day. I could have been <laughs> juggling jellyfish and gotten away luckier than I did with this horse. So I came home. Did, did you have any <laughs> history in riding horses? Or are you oh, yes. No, 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 no. I had been uh, riding horses for, uh, at this point, for about three years. And on Icelandic horses in particular, and my horse and I had entered into um, – horse shows and all sorts of things like that. We were like number two on the West Coast. Oh, okay. So this a, wasn't like a weekend movie star No, 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 no. Horse. I'm no fool. <laughs> no, I, I, I uh, knew about horses and Icelandic horses. We were with a group. We had an expert at the head of the pack, you know, of horses. And uh, so he was leading us up Mount Hetla. And we were hit by a giant windstorm off the Atlantic. And the way my wife describes it is, it was like tarnatic. And it lifted me and the horse off the ground, carried us for a few yards, dropped us on the ground. Then the horse took off, started running like crazy and threw me on the side of a lava flow, a solid lava flow, not a lava lava flow, thank God. And that's kind of all I remember for several hours. And they had had a truck that had to carry me down the mountain to a local doctor, and then they took me to Reykjavik. Anyway, they put me in a neck brace, right. said I had a fractured neck. 
they said I would be fine. Just don't ride any horses for a while. So we, Annie and I, my wife and I, stayed in Iceland for another 10 days, then flew back to the United States. And I went to see my head and neck doctor when I got to the United States. He x-rayed my neck and he said the diagnosis in Iceland was wrong. You do not have a fractured neck. Your entire neck is broken. Five vertebra in the middle, and each of the vertebra has multiple breaks, and the vertebra in the center, the burst, the C4, they call it, was a burst fracture. He said, you have a fatal injury, what? which being someone who likes to write and is a friend of the English language, words have a meaning, yeah. and <laughs> fatal would mean I'm dead, yeah. which I wasn't. So he told me the reason I wasn't dead is because, and the reason I had a head and neck specialist in the first place was because I was having headaches. He said it was because I had arthritis in my neck, which at this point had mutated my neck, deformed my neck vertebra 180 degrees opposite of a normal human being. Most people have a curve like so. My curve went like so. And so the force of the blow did like so instead of snapping my neck and breaking my neck and me being dead. Well, this so anyway, like some kind of like divine intervention or something. You right? got it, man. You got it. And so I'm thinking like there isn't a lot you could do with a broken neck. I couldn't do anything by myself. I could read and I could write. So I thought, you know what I'll do? The doctor said I was, should have been dead on that mountain. I'm going to write stories for my two kids, my two boys, about my life. So they would have known who their father was before he died on that mountain. So I started writing these stories. And before I was really interested in being a clever writer, mm -hmm. you know, see if I could be clever. But in writing these stories for my boys, I wanted to be truthful, as truthful as I could be about all sorts of things. I mean, my profession is weird and that I'm a professional actor. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had weird things happen to me in my life. I was uh, held at hostage uh, in a grocery at gunpoint in a grocery store. A couple times, I, right? Well, I was held hostage in the grocery store once, but I was almost killed a, a couple other times. Jeez. But weird things. I grew up, you know, in the, a very outdoorsy area of Texas, and I spent my time hunting rattlesnakes when I was a little boy. All sorts of weird, strange things. So I started writing these stories for the kids. And about that time, David Chen, who uh, was a student at Harvard at the time, he had seen my movie Stephen Tobolowsky's Birthday Party, which Robert Brinkman directed. And it's a movie where I just tell stories from my life, like from beginning to end of this movie, which is very entertaining. And we premiered the movie at the HBO Comedy Festival. And Aspen. So it, it's a lovely movie. Very funny and, and kind of delightful film. Is it just kind of like a one-man show thing? You just it's kind stories? of like that. What the, the premise of the movie is, it's my birthday, and we start at dawn and we go to midnight on my birthday. And it starts with me out at the ocean on my birthday telling stories uh -huh. about 
things that had happened to me at the sea. And then we come back to my house and I'm barbecuing food for visitors to come. And then visitors come over and we have my party. And then it's that night cleaning up after the party. So it's one day and I'm telling stories the whole time. Yeah. And we shot it over three days and everybody had to wear the same clothes every day. (laughs) That's the kind of guy I am. You have to have that continuity. So David Chen had seen that movie and said, are you writing any new stories? Because there's this thing called podcasting now. This is 2008. This is before podcasting was really a word. Uh, I think it was uh, Webster's admitted it a couple years later. So (laughs) I I just made that up. So it was 2008, and David said, you could record, write stories, record them, and I'll put them on the internet for you. I'll produce it. So I'm thinking like, sure. What the hell? I don't know. So I started doing these stories. David would record them in Seattle, and we would record them live, no editing, no nothing, and and put them on. And that's kind of how the podcast started. And then Seattle Radio, uh, Jeff Hansen, who was kind of the program director at Seattle, at at the uh, NPR station in Seattle, said, he heard them and he said, can I put them on the air? And he put them on Sunday afternoon, like coming home from church time, like yeah. 1230 or one in the afternoon. And people used to listen to them coming. And I think we we did a few years on the radio there. And then I would do live shows in Seattle and, and it spread to, I think we were on, on radio in Boston and... Chicago and just various cities around the country would pick up the podcast. And a lot of times it was on midnight and people would have Tobo parties at midnight listening to the <laughs> podcast stories, you know, and getting loaded and things like that. Uh, it sounds like a good so, way to spend a, spend an evening, Travis. You, yeah. And, 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 you know, I get letters now from all over the world of people who say that they love to listen to my podcast to go to sleep. Like it puts them to sleep, which I'll take as a compliment. Sleep is what Shakespeare said, great nature's second course. Mike, so, what was that that you used to listen to? Jeff Bridges audiobooks or something Jeff like that? Jeff Bridges did like an ad for Squarespace where he made something called the sleep tapes. And I still have it and I listen to it all the time. It's designed to go to sleep too. I would imagine you could probably listen to Stephen's stories like where you can't really hear it. You know, you you could just kind of hear the tone of his voice. Just get the cadence. Yeah, the yeah that's probably the way to do it. It's kind of like the British baking show. You, oh, yeah. you know, and and you know, and and I would do I ended up doing st- when I had to do the stories for NPR and PRI radio, they had very strict rules. The stories had to be from 51 to 53 minutes long. Yeah. So so either things had to be added to the story or taken away. So it would hit that time frame for them. So all these stories are about an hour long. And they're all true events from my life. I didn't want it. David Chen, who was, loves movies and media... He wanted it to, he began it as a movie podcast. And the first three stories are me and various films. And I think the first one is Great Balls of Fire and just just different entertainment kind of things where I did behind the scenes stories. But Stephen, you were in Great uh, Balls of Fire? 
I was. I, I had a, a rather. I was uh, Jerry Lee Lewis's uh, manager. I, I was Judd Phillips, <laughs> and uh, Trey Wilson was Sam Phillips, the producer of the records. I, yeah, in fact, it I, was I don't in. Think I've seen that movie in twenty years. I need to watch That's it again. Probably <laughs> me too. It actually just popped up on uh, yeah. HBO Max. I think is it's on right now. And it's like, that's where I got married, doing that that show. And I wrote a podcast, not only about the show, but about getting married. And, and you, you, so I didn't want it to be just a movie podcast. And the fourth, when David and I, I would write during the week, mm -hmm. then we would record my mother between the third and fourth weeks passed away. She had a heart attack and I had to go back to Dallas and I wrote a story about being by her side the last 24 hours of her life uh, called The Alchemist. And so I came back and I recorded that story with David and I apologized to him and I said, listen, I know you want movie stories. This is not a movie story at all. And he says, just do it. We'll record it. We'll just, let's see what we've got. We did it. And then there was a pause at the end of the story. And David said, Tobo, from now on, you write any story you want. Mm. And of the stories that went out on the airwaves of the internet, that story, The Alchemist, went all over the world. It suddenly went kabooey. And I started getting emails from people all over the world talking about their parents and when they were with them and when they lost their parents. It made a, a big impression on people. So I've written stories about falling in love when I was eight years old, Declare Richards, falling in love with my first real love in college, Beth, and our journey together. Many stories about me and Beth and our journey together, including our breaking up. I have many stories about Finding my wife, Anne, now, we've been married 34 years, the birth of our kids. And mixed in all of that are stories about Groundhog Day, you know, stories about the Goldberg, story about different shows I've been working on and, and the crazy things that happen on those shows. So it's a mix of those, kind, those two things. Were you surprised? I mean, you're a man who's been in the industry and has had a, a, a long career already, but were you surprised how your podcast resonated with people so quickly, especially like you said, as early as, as it was that you started to do that. Um, I would imagine it would come as somewhat of a shock, uh, how much feedback you got so quickly. It, it's, it's amazing because also it, it's kind of, I, I forget what that game is. It, it, it's kind of a sword and sorcery thing that depending upon how you touch the stone, that's how the stone looks. Mm. And, and it's like, because the stories are so varied, people from all over began glomming onto different. Like I have a, I had open heart surgery. You know, besides, besides my broken neck, I have a story. You know, my broken neck. That's episode number twenty-eight, called "The Afflictions of Love," the story of my broken neck. But I had open heart surgery. I have three stories based on that. I have people writing me all over the world saying, oh my God, I'm about to go in for open heart surgery. I listened to your stories and it comforted me so much getting ready. You know, I knew what to expect. Yeah. 
so you you get different people with different things. People who love Groundhog Day, they love to hear the stories about Groundhog Day. So I I, I guess it's so varied that I get a lot of different people who like different things. Well, you sure. know, I we've talked to. A lot of people who have written memoirs and I've always asked the same question that, you know, like, hey, now that you've written the book, do you feel like nothing else can happen to you because it won't be in the book? And I imagine that if if you write the book, then the book's published and you, oh, crap, I didn't put that in there. And you remember something that isn't in it. But like if you just have a thing that keeps you consistently writing things about your life that could be great and it, it keeps you keeps you thinking about different things instead of just like it being its own project and then moving on for it it's right. something that you can come it, back it to. is and anyone who writes knows what i'm talking about here when you get into that writing headset where this is what you're doing it is very hard to not write yeah. It is very hard because you everywhere you go and everything you see ends up getting translated into part of a story in your head. And and the the key to me is 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 the story. The story is always more important than anything else. Like crazy things have happened to me, but if I don't understand the story of how they fit together of of what makes it a story, then it's hard to write it. It's difficult to write a story. Um, I, I was trying to think my stories. One of my favorite stories is when I was injured. Uh, and there wasn't much I could do. You see behind me, I have uh, those are uh, Talmuds and various Jewish books, you know, where, you know, of Jewish learning. And it was one of the things I could do when I had my broken neck was read volumes of the Talmud and kind of see that's something I always wanted to do in my life. Yeah, I started going to the synagogue a lot. And that's where I met this old man who asked me if I wanted to come over to his apartment and play poker with him, you know, Two men playing poker. I mean, what what could be better than that? And so I started going over there, and he pulled up his sleeve, and there were the numbers from the concentration camp. Oh, boy. He says, have you ever seen this? And I'm just shaking. And I'm like, not for real. He said, this is for real. This is Auschwitz, for real. And we ended up going to services 7.30 in the morning leaving services, going over to his house nine in the morning and start drinking, (laughs) drinking. He likes something called schnapps, which was really Canadian club whiskey. And over the next two years, that stuff's cheap, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A couple bucks. I think it's yeah. Over the next two years, I played poker with Abe and then after like about a year, he began opening up to stories about Auschwitz. And then I started asking him questions about it. And I ended up writing this story called A Good Day at Auschwitz based on one of the questions I asked him, Abe, did you ever have a good day at Auschwitz? And he goes, many, many, many good days. 
He said, you know, we would be out working on the road and you'd smell something nice or the sun would be beautiful or you'd see a cloud or a tree. And then, of course, there were women. And I go, wait, what? Excuse me? He says, well, you know, I fell in love at Auschwitz. I go, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Wait a minute. What do you mean you fell in love? The men and women were kept separately. He says, well, the the. And he told me about the hierarchy of Auschwitz, how, how you have the German guards who were regular soldiers. Then you had the super tyrannical Nazis who were running everything. But the German guards were just farmers, and they needed Abe to help them do arithmetic, or they'd go to a prison camp. So they tried to take care of him and keep him alive. And they all had girlfriends why'd in they, the women's section. Why'd they have to do math? They had to do math because Auschwitz grew uh, all the potatoes for all the concentration camps. Oh. And they had to have somebody who knew how to count the bushels of potatoes and how many bushels had to be sent to the various concentration camps mm. to keep people alive just long enough to kill them. Jeez. So, But Abe could do math in his head. And so it was a skill that kept him alive. And it was there at Auschwitz that he found the woman he fell in love with. They were separated by the war, but again, he found her again through the most amazing circumstances. Through the end of the war, he found her again. And so I had my story. I had my story that was different than the story of the concentration camps that we know is like just such an ungodly nightmare that human yeah. beings reign upon other human beings. But this was a love story. This was a love story that happened at Auschwitz that were assisted by his German guards. And it was a love story that carried through his entire life. And so I wrote the story and I recorded it and I gave it to Abe who had a party and invited all of his friends from the synagogue to hear his story uh, that went out on the podcast, uh, Good Day at Auschwitz, which is episode 34, episode 34, Good Day at Auschwitz. And in the morning, I get a phone call from Sharon from our synagogue. She was just in tears. And she said, we found Abe in bed died in his sleep, but he died in his sleep after the story got finished, after his party, Jeez. and he wow. was able to hear that his story was going to move on. And, and so it was another thing that made the story have resonance to me, and Los Angeles Theater Works wanted me to turn it into a play, which I did, which is now one of their plays, Good Day at Auschwitz. But... There's something kind of holy about that particular story. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it's 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 absolutely so. That doesn't come from being clever. It it comes if you're lucky enough to find the true pieces of the story that make the story come together. And that's what I've tried to do in the Tobolowsky files: is tell like true stories without gussing them up without trying to make them funny or clever. If they're funny, great. If they're tragic, okay. 
real. But, th- but that's what it's about. And yeah. people hear the stories, and I think the fact that they hear that there's something in it that's odd, that sounds like truth, resonates with people. You're writing now to put out new ones, right? Because Yes. And, and, and because of, um, you know, my current charge is, is grandpapa. I'm a new grandfather. <laughs> and so I'm writing the new podcasts uh, from the Tobolowsky Files is going to be for my uh, uh, granddaughter, Dior. And I'm going to call it the Book of Dior. Mm-hmm. And what it is is stories I want to pass on to her of things I learned as a child and things I learned as an adult and pass it on to her. So as she gets older and is able to read or something like that, she'll find something that she can enjoy at her level and maybe even enjoy after I'm gone and can, can see, you know, what it was like being an adult and, and being able to take care of her as an adult, how, what a privilege that's been being gifted with that new perspective has got to be just wonderful in terms of being a writer to where you can be like, now I have this whole other world that I can start to cultivate from and create, you know, your, your truth, your stories. It's the best damn thing in the world. If no one growing up has ever had ever said to me, Stephen, you want to stay alive long enough to be a grandfather, (laughs) because let me tell you, it's the best thing that'll ever happen to you in your life. Uh, you know, I was always telling people when I was a kid growing up, all we wanted were cars. <laughs> all we wanted were cars. And we would read Road and Track magazine. Oh, I want a GTO. Oh, I want cars, cars. I want to be able to drive. Well, I've been driving my entire life now and I hate it. Of course, <laughs> I live in Los Angeles. So, of course, I, it's just horrible. Yeah. But no one, teach, no teacher, no rabbi, no anybody ever said, Stephen, being a grandparent is the best thing you'll ever have because it's all love and no responsibility. Right, right. As soon as the baby acts up, you call up the boy or the girl. Hey, uh, you know, she's acting up. Why don't you take her up? She's ready to come home. Yeah, she's ready to come. We got her ready for you. Yeah, that is funny. You know, I've seen that even with my my in-laws, you know, when they became grandparents, you know, 14 years ago to just watch like the change, uh, you know, and in, 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 in not even not really in personality, just like being able to exude that love, you know, like it was it's the, the kids are all grown up. They're out of the house. That transition happens. But now, you know, we bring grandchildren into the home and, and, and to watch that change was was remarkable. <laughs> It's, it's, it's too great. It's, it's so phenomenal. And also Annie and I, you know, we've had practice. We've had more practice than my son and his wife have had. Right. <laughs> you, you know, we raised two boys way back when, and it's like, oh yeah, I remember how we do this. <laughs> I remember how to change a diaper. I it's remember like, all like, this. It's like riding a bike. <laughs> you can't forget I know, those parent, parental I know skills. this one. <laughs> we could take care of our kids, you know, go out and have dinner. You know, we could take care of this. <laughs> Steven, can I make a request? Yes, sir. Can you tell Travis the Glimmer Man story? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, John Gray. John Gray, director Love John. He, he, he was one of the first directors who came up to me. I was in a Baskin Robbins and he, inter- hello, I'm John Gray. Uh, I loved you in Mississippi burning. Love to work with you sometime. I'm a director. I went, Oh, well, nice to meet you, John. 
So, John, <laughs> I got cast in The Glimmer Man. And uh, the first thing I had to do was get approved by uh, Stephen uh, Seagal. He, he, had to, he had to approve me. So I drove out to his house, which is kind of in Bel Air or close to Bel Air. And my audition was at 10 a.m. in the morning. So I went in to audition. That's really that's really a rare thing to go to the star's home to audition for a part, right? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It doesn't happen ever again. <laughs> right. Ever before. So I show up there and I've worked on the part. I'm ready. And, and the houseboy or whoever says, just have a seat in the living room and uh, Mr. Skull will be downstairs and, and he'll meet with you. So I sat down there for two hours. <laughs> Doing what? Wait, just looking at the wall. Looking, just sitting there, looking at the saddles, uh, standing up, getting circulation back in my legs, <laughs> and then Steven Seagal comes down in like his kimono robe. You know, he's not even dressed, and he's like, "So, uh, I guess we kept you waiting." And <laughs> and I go, "Yes, yes, sir." So why don't we go through the scene? You know, and and so I kind of go through the scene. He goes, "No, I want tears." I go, "It's it's, it's okay, Mister Scott. We'll, we'll have tears. It'll all be good." And I found out I got the role, and I was going to shoot first day, first day, first shot up. Now I play a serial killer, and uh, the scene is I go into a church and I grab a priest, and I'm going to kill him. And Steven Seagal has to come and clear up the situation, and he ends up dispatching me. Well, I'm there first up before anyone was there. John Gray comes into my trailer and goes, Stephen, Stephen, we got a problem. How could we possibly have a problem? <laughs> we haven't even started. I haven't. I don't even have makeup on yet, and we have a problem. He goes, uh, Stephen has had some sort of spiritual awakening, some sort of you know, moment where, where he feels like what he's doing is wrong, putting this kind of violence in the, and he may not want to kill you. Uh, and, and the, the execs are a little nervous about this because, you know, they said to him, Stephen, that's what you do. You kill people. I mean, you kill people real good. You dance with who brung you, baby. You know, this is what this whole movie is about is you killing people. And so John says, like, if he gets you, if he starts talking to you, just shut up, just shut up. Just don't say anything. You know, we'll, we'll have to find some way to shoot this. Well, if he so likes anyway, you, then it'll be harder for him to kill you. It, it it could be more difficult, but I don't think liking me was a possibility. Oh, okay. So, so I'm waiting there, and Steven shows up. He gets ready. We go in to rehearse the scene where I'm supposed to be killed. Now, I'm squibbed up. And this is back in the old days where people use squibs. What it is, is it's like a little dynamite cap that they put onto your clothes that have a red food coloring of blood in it. And so when you get shot in the movies, it explodes, you know, it bursts and then blood comes out. So the, the death looks particularly violent. Yeah. And uh, so they squib the front of me to get shot. And Stephen comes up to me before we do the scene, you know, um, I've been thinking this could be a big mistake, you know, putting this kind of violence out into the world. And John Gray is behind him. Going, shut up, shut up, shut up. And I go, Stephen, I, I, I hear what you're saying. 
I hear what you're saying, and there's a lot of truth to it, you know, putting putting that stuff out. It, but I have a different take on this, is that I'm a serial killer. I'm a serial killer. I see you killing me as an act of charity in that I am able to shuffle off this body which and spirit and soul, which I've ruined with evil, and maybe have a chance you would help my reincarnational development that I could come back as something that could be helpful to the world. So I'm really kind of helping you in this case. I said, not only helping me, helping the whole world by giving me another chance to come back as something better than a serial killer. So did you come up with this in the moment or, or in the moment. were you rehearsing it in case this happened? In the moment. It was, it just that's came. Good. That's it was good. like, it was like God or the devil was tapping on my head saying, <laughs> Stephen, you could use this one. And so I did this. So <clears throat> we ended up doing the scene. Stephen ends up shooting me and the way my suit was rigged, my shirt and everything was rigged. I didn't just like get shot, like my whole chest like exploded, <laughs> like the, you know, just like exploded. Oh, and I, I've seen it, Stephen. You, you yes, did, you didn't survive that one. I did survive. So anyway, I'm figuring job well done, Stephen. Get out of there. I get a phone call about two and a half months later. It's John Gray. Stephen, we have a problem. <laughs> we have a problem. <laughs> I said, so how can a we have a problem? I haven't been working on the movie for two months. How can we have a problem? It's like the bookend of that whole project for you was started with Stephen, we have a problem, and ended Stephen, we have a problem. He says, Stephen Seagal was in another scene, and he it's the only take we were able to use of his where he was improvising. He improvised a line, thank God I didn't kill that guy in the church. <laughs> Can you go into looping and change something that you say in the in the edit, sound editing room that will make it appear like you're still alive? <laughs> so I go to the studio. I go to the looping room. They ha they have, and I'm seeing the the scene. Stephen comes up to me with the gun. I'm backing. I have the priest. I have the priest by the head, and then. Stephen shoots me, my chest explodes in slow motion, slow motion, like, uh, like viscera, like flying all over the camera. And I fall out of frame and smoke comes rising up from the gun. And John Gray is saying, now, right here, could you say something like when I've dropped out of frame after my whole chest exploded? I'm going, John, what could I say? Like, Thank God it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> you missed me. I, I can't th I can't think of anything I could possibly say to, to make it seem like this is okay. So, so I ended up dropping out of frame. So all you see is smoke coming up and I whisper, finish me off, you bastard. <laughs> so they go, finish me off, you bastard. And Keenan Ivory Wayans comes in and he starts standing next to me watching. He goes like, Man, we are now in the realm of high comedy. <laughs> and he walked away. In the end, I don't think they used any of the voiceover at all. No, they didn't. They just they just went with the chest exploding and me falling out of frame. And Stephen didn't get his I, I don't know what they did with his other line. Thank God we maybe they just cut that other scene out. I, I maybe it, I mean if if 
they didn't use it, then that's the editor's problem. But he put yes. it out into the universe that you lived. Yes. Yes. He that yes. You yes, so the, Mike, you are really, right. He, he did his me. job. He put it out in the universe that I lived, and John Gray and I put it out in the universe that I'm dead. Yeah, that's probably what happened. They probably like very subtly ADR'd it where it said, uh, thank God I didn't eat that guy at the church or something like that. <laughs> oh, like when they play on TBS, Travis. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. That but but you know the you know those kind those kind of s- stories don't happen all the time in movies, but they happen a lot, a lot more than you would. You know, I was doing uh, Mr. Magoo, and I'm waiting to shoot this party scene, and waiting and waiting and waiting, and then one of the producers comes into my trailer and says, "Stephen, I'm sorry, this is taking so long, but we're working with a very temperamental baboon." <laughs> and I go, "What?" Yes, uh, we have live animals at the party, and we brought in a baboon, and we just can't get anything out of him. <laughs> so it's good to know where you are in the hierarchy of filming. <laughs> right. That the baboon is up here, and I am down yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, the baboon's before you on the call sheet. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, all sorts of things. You, you never know what's going to happen in a show. You never know. So, well, and so it's, especially as long as you've been working and how many different projects you've been involved in, there's probably nothing you haven't encountered at this point. I would think <laughs> you would, you would think. And, and some of the, some of the stories are magnificent and, uh, heartening. Like when I was doing Mississippi burning, I was head of the Ku Klux Klan and they had like a thousand Klansmen as extras, real clans. Cause we were shooting in Georgia and Mississippi Alabama around there we're doing this big clan rally I was head of the clan and all this kind of stuff and they had about a thousand real clansmen shouting and screaming and all sorts of things and because we were shooting kind of all over the south in different places we used different people on the crew at different times and uh working craft services that night we were shooting all night was a little like 14 year old, like black boy. We had been shooting a couple hours and the AD, the assistant director said, uh, Mr. Topolowski, do you need anything? And they, they called me Mr. Back then I had an aura of respect. <laughs> and, and I said, uh, just maybe some hot tea. So they, they called for craft craft service. Come here, craft service. Come here, Joshua, Joshua. When we ask you to come here, you come here, you come here right away. You understand? Now, Mr. Tobolowski wants tea. I want you to get some tea. And like all of these clans guys are standing up all over the place. And this little diminutive 14-year-old boy is getting my order for tea and is going to have to go now to get. And there's a thousand people standing up. And I call out to him. I said, Joshua, I am so sorry about that. I, I, You know, I'm so sorry. And he turned around in front of that group of people, that huge crowd of people, and said, don't you worry about me. I'm going to be fine. And you keep doing what you're doing because you're doing a real good job. Hmm. I'll, be, I'll be right back. And he goes, and all those clans people were there, and he started walking toward them, and the crowd parted. And I'm watching this group of a 1,000 clansmen part for this one little boy as he walked through them, it was about three in the morning and it gave me such, well, it's a beautiful movie. Mississippi burning's great. Oh movie. yeah. Absolutely. But 
it gave me such hope for humanity uh, to see that courage in that child. It, it was amazing. You know, anyway, you get all sorts of things happening to you in, in movies because you're in such a strange situation. Guys, the, the Tobolowski files, it's coming back, but all the episodes are available uh, on uh, Stephen's website. Stephen, man, it's it's surreal talking to you. Yeah, it's been an honor, <laughs> truthfully. Well, it, it, it's it's a pleasure, and uh, it's a pleasure, certainly a pleasure talking about the podcast. Yeah. and. It's it, and the only irony of the whole thing is, is you know the podcast led to two books with Simon and Schuster. My kids, who I did the stories for, have never heard the podcast, <laughs> nor have they read the books. One day, <laughs> yeah. one day. That's yeah. that's the beauty beauty of all being the father, right? <laughs> that's the beauty, man. <laughs> Stephen, let's do this again sometime, man. It is you got really it. You cool got it. Th thank you guys very much. Yeah, the to Tobolowski files. Oh, and I should mention this. If you're interested in the Tobolowski files, we didn't put up a paywall. So Excellent. you can listen for free. They're all there. They're all there on the website, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Are you on social media at all, Stephen? Is there any place like that we want Facebook to send and Twitter? Twitter, I'm at Tobolowski. Facebook, I'm Stephen Tobolowski on Facebook. So, Perfect. yeah, those two places. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. I know you said we'd go 15, and we ended up taking more of your time than that. So, thanks well, so much. You got it. I, I, I uh, thank you for the shout out. Thanks, absolutely. Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. Bye bye. Have a good night. That was pretty cool. <laughs> It was pretty cool, man. I had to like, get right, that, I had to get that Glimmer Man story. I'm That's, glad you did. It, it doesn't it. have anything to do with anything, but I had to get the Glimmer Man nope. story. I, I love it. Love that, I was, story. that was a great fucking story. That I was like, it was like surreal. Like, it, you know, it's like, oh, we're talking to this guy, and oh, he's in the waiting room. I like, Adam, and then he popped up on the screen down there. And I was like, like, wait, sure, shit, that's really him. It's <laughs> fucking him. <laughs> it's really Steven Tobolowski. <laughs> Holy Christ. <laughs> Man, what a career. Guy's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's, he's one of those guys, you know, I think we kind of touched on that where you might not know his name, but if you've ever uh, watched ever, television ever, hey, you, tell, you give him a goog, you've seen 10 things yeah. he's in, at least. Yeah, at least. His IMDb is like 400 pages long. <laughs> <laughs> and he still can't get to the beginning of it. No. Oh my goodness. He's in everything. Travis, I, I got a pick of the week. I'm really, 
excited about it. I, I don't know the origin of this, but it's on YouTube. That's where I watched it. But uh, from what I understand, uh, Warren Beatty owns the rights to Dick Tracy, and he yeah. wanted to keep them. So he made like a TV special as Dick Tracy, uh, and it aired. Isn't that guy like ninety? He's he's really really up there drunk, and uh, so this ridiculous special. I don't even think it aired at the time. I think this is like several years old. Uh, Leonard Malton is Leonard Malton dead? Yeah, Malton died too. Uh... I can't recall. Maybe not. No, maybe not. 85. So Leonard Malton interviews him, Travis, and he's in character through the whole thing. It's fucking great. I'm looking up if Leonard Malton is dead or not, Travis. So that was, uh, that was like an, when is this TV special from? I think it's from like five years ago. What? Just so he could keep the rights to Dick Tracy? Yeah, Leonard Malton's still alive, Travis. But, uh, so Leonard Malton interviews him. I have a couple of clips of Warren Beatty completely in character as Dick Tracy. Travis, this is amazing. It's on YouTube. you got to watch it. Um, do you mind if I ask what your age is? I don't mind if you ask, but that doesn't mean I have to tell you. <laughs> Well, I mean, you, you're, you're very gracious, but I didn't I didn't mean to be impertinent. I, uh, I'm going to be 107 in no. July. Yes. No. Yeah. 107? 107. That is amazing. Yeah. Do you have some secret you can share with everybody? SP. Small portions. Small portions and, and exercise. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, uh, pomegranate. Oh, boy. Yeah. No, it's... It's fucking far out, man. Like, he's wearing the, the yellow coat. It, this makes me... I, I know he's too old. We can't make it. But, like, sell the rights. Do do the AI Dick Tracy and make it Warren Beatty. Harrison Ford is playing indie again. Yeah, maybe we can still make it, Travis. Maybe there's still time. I got another clip. Shall we begin? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Can we take your hat and coat? I don't take off my hat and coat. <laughs> Can we begin? I think so. Frank, are we ready? Yeah. <laughs> this dude is out his gourd. It's so great, Travis. I, I, so I, I clicked on it when I was at work taking a poop, Travis. And I had earbuds in. And I'm listening to Warren Beatty being interviewed as Dick Tracy. And I'm giggling. I'm giggling <laughs> in the bathroom. And people hear me giggling, Travis. Well, but okay. I couldn't help myself. It was too great. Here's here's a man who loves Dick Tracy so much that he kept the rights and then made himself play him again 25 years after he made a movie. <laughs> Just to keep it. Just to keep it. And he's 85. What's he going to do with it? You'll pry Dick Tracy from my cold, dead fingers. Trash <laughs> <laughs> pick of the week. Uh, Travis's pick of the week this week is How to Sell a Haunted House. It's the new novel from Grady Hendrix uh, about uh, 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 a sister and brother who lose their parents and are uh, they inherit their childhood home only to discover 
that there are dark entities uh, at play in that home uh, uncovers a bunch of family secrets as you go. But the best part about it is there's haunted puppets. Uh, very good. Uh, read it pretty quick. I love Grady Hendrix books. Uh, this was no exception. How to sell a haunted house is available now in hardcover. Drunk pick of the week. Drunk pick of the week. It's a big weekend. <clears throat> First of all, to kick it all off Saturday, it's uh, Mardi Gras here in St. Louis. So grab your beads and flash them titties. Can you still do that in 2023? I think so. Okay. Yeah, as long as it's voluntary. There you go. And then Saturday night, uh, we have the uh, premium live event of the... um, uh, God damn it. What's it called? The... God, son of a bitch. That's a long title. I know. It's the WWE event. Fuck it. Oh, Elimination Chamber. There you go. Have you seen the Elimination Chamber? No. Is that the one where they all have like weird doors? Yeah. I don't understand that. So it's too complicated. There's they get six fellas, right? And the first four go indoors, and then the last two just start the match. Okay. And then every five minutes one of the doors opens, but it's at random. So you don't know who's coming out next. And, and it's a big free on, for all. They're all on different yeah. teams. Well, no, they're just all individuals. Oh, so it's like the Royal Rumble. So the 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 guys are fighting for the U.S. title. Okay. And the gals are fighting for the SmackDown Women's Championship. So it, the current champion is in there. Yes. And he has to win, or he loses his belt. Yes. Well, that doesn't seem fair. Well, I mean, they do it for a lot of different things. Some uh, two years ago is to b- name the number one contender. Oh, so I mean, this year they just decide instead of the heavyweight championship, we'll make it the U.S. championship. Okay. So, and then Friday or s- s- Sunday, 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 the race of all races, the Super Bowl of NASCAR, Daytona Five Hundred, woo, February eighteenth. If you ain't first, you're last. If you ain't, if you ain't first, you last. It'll be an exciting one. Uh, I hope Cole Trickle wins. I don't think it'll be Cole Trickle. Uh, I think I'm gonna go put a couple ducats on Bubba Wallace. Is he? Oh good? yeah, is he good if at they, racing? He's good at the super speedways. Okay, which is what Daytona is. So anytime he's at Daytona or Talladega. Put your money on bubble. Okay, bye. I'm Bill Dannon.
you to Carl Casey at White Bad Audio for the music used in this podcast. Thank you for listening to this installment of WFOD. Operation is 100% independent, so your support is appreciated. Tell a friend, share a link, leave a review. Be sure to subscribe because we don't want you to miss the next one. Visit WFODshow.com for links to blogs, bits, our Discord server, and our Patreon, where you can support the show for as little as $1 per month. Thank you to our current supporters, Jay Adson, Rabbit Poundings, Brian Kranz, and Liquid Lozenge. We will return before you know it, but really, we're never gone. Oh, my God.